Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 8. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Brother Toby. Joshua, chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 30. We are in the midst of a series entitled Crossing Over Rivers and Taking Cities. Let's read the text and get into the Word today. Joshua 8, verse 30. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. On it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites, with their elders, officials, judges, were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Verse 34. Of Joshua 8. You ready? Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses. The what? The blessings and the curses, just as is written in the book of the law. Last verse, verse 35. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. For this beautiful day, a day of victory, a Pentecost Sunday. And I ask, Lord, that you would move in great power. That you would speak to us. That you would release all that's in your heart. Thank you for those who've driven from afar. Those that are near. Those that are online. Those that will be ministered to through the preaching of this word, Lord, now. And even at a latter, latter date, Lord, for those that will hear it online and recorded copies of it. Move in power, God, today. Would you lay hands on yourself and just pray that God would speak to you today. Speak to us today, God. Hallelujah. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A number of years ago, when I was a, a, a young man, I'm twice the age now when I heard this, but I, the, the expression was from a preacher and he said, today is the first day of the rest of your life. I want you to say that. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. Say it like you mean it. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. A scripture in the Psalms that says his mercies are new every morning. And uh, it's morning somewhere. It's, it's 15 minutes or so after 12 here in Alaska. But it's morning somewhere. It's always morning somewhere, and I want you to know that you can start your life over at any minute, at any second of any day, any time you choose to. You can choose to have life, or you can choose to have death. I, me and my family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to choose life. Come on, say, I choose life. I choose life. And so I've entitled this message, Choose Life. Choose Life. He said, well, where did you get that in the text? Well, let, let's understand what's taking place here in the text. First of all, in this series, we talked about, we've called it crossing over rivers and taking cities. It's a, a study in the book of Joshua, one of my favorite books I've studied and preached from numerous times in my many years of pastoring. 
It's a city-taking text. It's a text, a, a text, a book of strategy. And tremendous New Testament principles, when applied to your life, will help you to cross over rivers and take cities. What does that mean? That means in your life, God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a promised land. God's got milk. God's got honey. God's got help for you. But you're going to have to go over a flood stage Jordan. You're going to have to deal with the alcohol. You're going to have to deal with the problems. You're going to have to deal with the marriage. You're going to have to deal with stuff as you move forward in God's plan. And it can seem like an insurmountable flood stage Jordan. And so we preached on that. Why would God allow that? To make you stronger. One thing. Another thing is to give you yada, to give you a personal experience of God's delivering power. Yada is a Hebrew word. It, it means that, that you have a deep understanding of, of God's power. It's not something you just read in a book. It's on the tablets of your heart. They told me they hit harder in college and sports, and I didn't really understand that until I was fishing the mouthpiece out of the back of my throat, understanding they hit harder in college. It was yada. I know that they hit harder in college. When I went to go out to deep sea fishing, commercial fishing, years ago, I was in a small church and the, the man grabbed me by my lapels with tears running down his face and he pleaded with me, don't go on that boat. It's going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done. You'd be better off getting pumping gas at a gas station. Don't go to Alaska on the boat. I'm like, man, relax. Until I was in 40-foot swells and things were exploding on the ceilings and we had to tie ourselves in the bunk bed and people tried to have knife fights and stuff. And I, I, I got one of these guys who was a little salty, as they say. His, his eyes kind of spun in his head. Don't raise, raise your hand if you guys know what I'm talking about. His eyes spun in his head. He wasn't right. And so he confronted me on something and I was getting a little salty myself after being sick for seven days straight. Not ever, didn't ever feel good. And when I finally did get back to shore, I couldn't wait to get back on because I was land sick now. I mean, it was really quite an experience going commercial fishing. That big salty guy with the eyes spinning in his head chased me with a knife. I dove into the fish hold at 40 below zero and did jumping jacks for an hour and a half until they figured out Daniel's missing. I then had a yada of what the guy was telling me about how hard it was, and I longed to pump gas instead of be in a frozen north. God wants you to have a personal experience of his power. You're going to have to cross over rivers. You're going to have to take cities. And so we've been preaching along these lines. We talked about how that happened, how they crossed over the river. We talked about how they had to recommit, re cut covenant again. And that's the whole other message, but wow, what a text. And how the captain of the host came and stood before Joshua and gave them orders, gave them strategy on how to take out Jericho, which is the first fruit of the promised land. And everything from Jericho, as Pastor Vince preached last week, belonged to the Lord. But Achan was mistaken. He heard everything that, that, that Joshua told Israel, but Achan had potatoes in his ears or something. I, I don't know. It's, it's what happens to some of us men when your, your wife is talking and you're trying to multitask. You can't multitask, so you didn't even try it. And my wife would say things like to me, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good. And then she would say, and she would say it again, can you hear me now? And finally I'd be like, yeah, I can hear you, because then, you know, 
like it was just words. Wah, 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 wah. I'm like, yes, dear. But I'm not really listening because I'm reading the paper or, or doing something. Or she says to my kids, as my kids are being taught, don't look at me like that with that tone of voice. You guys got some, some of you men got the same challenges. My kids will be talking to me, Daniel will be asking me a question, and I didn't answer right away, so his mom will say, Daniel, your father can't hear you right now. I mean, I'm hearing a noise, but it's not quite registering. I think maybe that's what happened to Achan, or he was so filled with lust or greed, he couldn't, he couldn't, he didn't, he didn't obey, destroyed his whole family. He was just like, oh, the gold, oh, the gold, the wedge of gold, and the Babylonian garment. Does anybody else like clothes besides me? I like clothes. I'm not like a clothes freak, but I like, I like nice clothes. I think, I think Aiken liked nice clothes too because he done stole the Jericonian garment. And what's he going to be doing? Wearing that around camp? Hey, what's up, fellas? You like my What's up? Dang, check it. What's up? What's up? You know that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where'd you get that nice jacket, Aiken? Uh... I mean, he has to hide it under his tent. We talked about them. Now, how brain damage? Steal all the stuff, and it's like it's under his tent, but at least I have it. Then <laughs> they go out to battle, and they're cursed. They, they lose the battle of AI. And, and they come now to this place of this text where they're between these two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And it is a prophetic fulfillment to understand. Moses gives this prophetic word in Deuteronomy 27. Turn there if you, if you can. Deuteronomy 27. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep all of these commandments I give you today. When you've crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God has given you, set up large stones and coat them with plaster. He gives the instruction, the prophetic decree to Joshua. And Joshua in Joshua 8 is doing the prophetic word. I mean, that's kind of amazing that Moses would have that experience of knowing what he needed to do, seeing it afar off. Moses didn't even cross over because he had an anger issue. He had some unhealed hurts. And so they fulfill the word of Moses. And it's in that place that they renew their vision. They renew their vision. It's a place called Sachem. Everybody say Sachem. And there's a different, number of different ways to pronounce that. Uh, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it sort of somewhere. But Sachem is what it's called. Sachem was a place that Abraham met God and received a promise. And you'll find that in Genesis 12. The place of Sachem is so significant and so important. And you'll see it throughout history. So and, and in Scripture, Abraham got the prophetic, got the prophetic decree from, from the Lord in Genesis 12, verse 6. Abram, he's not Abraham yet, Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree at Sachem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord. This is the same place now, the very same place that Joshua and the Israelites are now standing. Amazing. Sachem is famous for Abraham's grandson, Jacob, came to Sachem. And he built wells there. It's also in Genesis chapter 33. And 34, well, 34, that's where Dinah was taken by the king and raped. Horrible story. Horrible. And then the, the, they, they made covenant with the people there, and then the brothers decided to kill them while they were all healing. 
You can go read it. It's an amazing text of Scripture. Jacob dug a well there. And also in that place, Sachem, it's the last part of the promised land that a 17-year-old boy would see before he's carried off into slavery. And his name is Joseph. Joseph was brought into slavery right there, sold into slavery to the Midianites. Wow. And so they're in Egypt for 400 years, and now they've come out. They're walking through. They've been 40 years in the desert, and now here they are. Wow. Amazing. And it's also in, in Joshua 24, where Joshua gives some final words and says, basically, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. This is the place that they're standing now, renewing their vision. What were they, what were they there for? What were they about? What were, you were called to be a holy people. Everybody say they're called to be a, a holy people of God, blessed by God. A holy people of God, blessed by God. And that's this, the curses. In fact, you know, it's a deeper study. I'm, I'm not going to take you on it, but I'll make mention of it. And Mount Ebal, if you go and look at the tribes that are supposed to stand on that side and the tribes that are supposed to stand on the side of Mount Gerizim, they're significant. Really, Ebal represents the flesh. And the curses come from that. And, and uh, Mount Gerizim represents the spirit and the blessings that come from living according to the spirit. You can read Galatians about that. But they were to be holy, the holy people of God. Guess what you're supposed to be? The holy people of God. And they were supposed to be blessed by God. And, and they were given choice. Everybody say they had a choice. Yeah, they had a choice. They, they make a choice. And they make a choice saying, no, we're going to be blessed. We choose the blessing. We choose the blessing. Say it. We choose the blessing. So very simply this morning, God's speaking to us. You have a choice in your life of whether you're going to walk in blessing or walk in cursing. See, just because you came to church today doesn't mean you're going to walk in all the favor, power, anointing, and the blessing of God. That's not how it works. Our sister Kathy said, you, God don't bless no mess. I loved how she used to say that. Because God can't bless a mess. God has a prescribed way of releasing his blessing. And just because we came to church, which I think sometimes we want him to thank us for coming. Him coming to church is good and I'm glad you came. Praise the Lord. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's learning to live for God and walk with God and talk with God and, and obey his word. Come on, First John talks about the, the acid test of a Christian. If you love God... You'll obey his word. So don't say you love God and, and then live a life of disobedience. And, and 1 John also talks about the fact that if you hate people, you don't love God either. So don't say that you love God, but you hate people because there's something wrong with you there also. Their angels see the face of God every day. Amen. And you ask really what's in some of you just really down on your brother or your sister, people that love the Lord or doing their best to walk in God. Listen, nobody walked on the water the first day they got saved. There's a process. It's called a process of sanctification is what it's called. You came in as dumb as a box of rocks and headed to hell and Jesus saved you, set you free. But you might have still a few rocks in there. Yeah, and that's a process of, of coming out, getting sanctified. Come on, somebody say, Lord, take out the rocks. Yeah, every ugly thing. And one of the purposes of difficult and ugly people is to reveal to you that you are not so loving after all. I had a precious lady say to my wife and I at the first part of the first service, just as church is about to start, 
And she came and she repented. She had nothing to repent for, but she was just double-checking. She said, I just don't want to offend you and just thank you for loving me and being so... I said, oh, I said, oh, Mama, you're, you're easy to love. Some people are easy to love. That doesn't require much anointing to love people that are lovable. Doesn't require much unction or character to love people that just are so sweet, you know. It's the ones that hate your guts. Those are the ones that are a little bit harder to love, you know. They'd like to crucify you, yeah. Yeah, they're throwing your name under the bus and talking about you on Facebook and everything. Maybe you should get rid of your Facebook. They're just pumping and trying to steal your data anyway. Jesus, I'm just saying, those are, it's easy to love people that love you. It's the ones that hate you, those ones. God's speaking to us so we can, we can make a choice. We can, we, can, we can walk in victory today. Come on, somebody say, I can walk in victory. Individually, we can have victory. You can start afresh today. Today's the first day of your rest of your life. You can make a decision to live for God. You can make a decision to live free from curses. Curses can be broken off your life, right there in your notes. Curses can be broken off your life. I had, I've preached on curses before. We, we, we revisit that at times because some people just think, well, now that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything should be great. But then all of a sudden things aren't going so well and you find as you get older that there's certain patterns that played perhaps in your family that are now playing in your family and you're wondering like, geez, what's that about? There are things called generational iniquity, iniquitous patterns. There's patterns of captivity. The anger, sir, that you struggle with, that your dad struggled with, that your grandpa struggled with, that your, grand, that your great-granddaddy struggled with. The anger, the, uh, that thing, that thing's in you sometimes. Not all the time, but we can receive these things. They become bondages, and you have to have a perspective, a clear understanding of what's righteous behavior and what isn't. And when you begin to see something in your life that doesn't line up with the word, sir, ma'am, brother, bubba in the back, you need to learn to correct that. You need to get a hold of the word of God, get the spirit of God, and begin to, you know, get some prayer, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, you may be healed, and get free from your bondage, get free from that thing, and learn to live a life of freedom from anger, freedom from lust, freedom from greed. Come on, you don't have to stay broken, busted, disgusted, and cursed. You can read Isaiah in different places. So anyway, the argument was with this young, this young man who said, well, I don't believe that because Jesus became a curse for me. He's, he's quoting Galatians chapter 3. Let's go ahead and put that up, Galatians 3, as I step away from my notes for a second to help some of y'all. Galatians 3, and I think it's verse 13, if you would kindly. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul is talking, there we go, just leave it up. He's talking to the church in Galatia who started in the Spirit, but then somebody came alongside and started messing with them and saying, oh no, it was the Judaizers actually. The Judaizers came and said, oh no, no, what you need to do is you need to get circumcised, you need to obey the law, no, 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 no. And, and he comes and he writes this letter to them, and it was a chain letter to be sent around the, the, the letter Galatians. It went to the church of Galatia. And so here in Acts, and pardon me, in Galatians 3.13, he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. For it is written, curses everyone who hung on a pole. Go down to verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith in Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I'll go back to verse 12, please. 11, 10, 9, I'm just kidding, 11, wait, 
Don't make me come back there. <laughs> Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Verse 12. All right, and the law is based on faith. On the contrary, who says the person who does these things will live by them. He, he's talking about the fact that if you don't live by them, then you're accursed. And then he goes on to say, but thanks be to God, Christ Jesus, who became a curse for us. But you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the argument was, this young man said to me, he said, there's no curses. You're preaching on curses, Pastor, and all the curses are broken. I said, potentially, yes. So potentially all the curses are broken, but you're going to have to appropriate that. You've got to take the word of God. You've got to take the blood of Jesus and apply it to your whole life. And I've seen people who are double-minded. Come on, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they keep their porn problem. So I'm just telling you, you can't be hooked on porn and love God and not have a curse. Because that doesn't work. We go back to 1 John again and talk about some of these acid tests of what it is to be a believer. Don't say you love God and disobey your mom and dad. That don't work. You honor your father and mother in the Lord. You understand? So if they're using you as a human shield while they sell drugs, how many of you know, run, get some help, rat them out. All right, that's not, you don't obey, you don't obey abuse. You understand? Am I getting through to anybody? So they read in the hearing of all of Israel, all of the curses and all of the blessings as they walk through. And the idea is they get to choose. Sir, brothers, brethren, you have to choose whether you're going to walk in the blessing. It is your choice. Every day you make that choice of what you look at, what you see, what you listen to, the way you speak, the way, the way you act. We must choose to live a, a godly life. Oh, I, I should say be. We're right there in your notes. We can be blessed by God. I shared this story in the first service. I'll share it again. I was contacted many years ago. We had a family uh, that these kids were coming. They were from two uh, different moms, or I think there was eight or nine, I think it was nine kids, if I remember, and, uh, and we just loved them, and they, they came on the bus, and they'd all given their hearts to Jesus, and they were rascally young ones, and uh, they wanted us to, to come to their house and bless them. We then found out that they didn't have a mom and dad, they had two moms who lived together in a way that is not prescribed by the word. And so when the two moms found out about this blessing and they needed their house blessed they contacted some local churches around them they didn't call us right away and found out that they're not going to come because of the lifestyle that they were living in so they they contacted us and said would you please bless our house and as I'm talking to them I'm thinking well, I can't bless that I'm but you listen the blessing is contingent upon upon obedience and God's word. You, you, don't, you, can't, you can rub that cross around your neck as much as you want to. It's going to help you about as much as the lucky rabbit foot you got in your pocket unless, unless you have a, it's a relationship with Jesus. And, and many times I've, I've had certain things in my life that help me just draw close to the Lord. My wedding band's one of them. I don't worship my wedding band, but I've made vows and, and my wife is just amazing. You know, and, I, and when I'm praying and traveling, I spin it and stuff. I'm like, oh, thank you for my wife. 
You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not bowing down to the wedding band. And if I lose it, it's just a picture of the covenant that I made between her and the Lord. The cross, you can hold on to that. But I'm going to tell you something. Try to hold that thing out and not have a relationship with Jesus and not know about the blood of Jesus. Then it's not going to help you much. Am I offending you? Just saying. Trying to help you out. The blessed life is contingent upon living the blessing. Anyway, this, this precious people who we love, but don't, we don't endorse sin. I won't endorse sin. I can't endorse sin. I have a higher court that I'm going to stand before. And the Supreme Court can tell me that I'm going to do same-sex marriage, and I will not. You can take my 501c3 and do whatever you want with it. You can't do it. This is a higher law. Oh, we're going to be loving and kind about it. And that's why we had to change some of our bylaws. Some of you need to be aware of this. We had to change some of our bylaws departing from the assemblies of God and their specific definition of sanctification. You should probably read it right now, but I'll paraphrase it. We changed it because sanctification we see as the daily reckoning of the life in Christ upon our lives every day. So it's reckoning yourself dead to sin and alive to God and that process of that union every day of your life. Sanctifying and building and walking in that, right? So we also see that as, as living holy. And so in living holy, we understand that life is uh, babies are, 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 are not tissue and not just some, some thing. We, 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 we value life at all stages from conception all the way to the elderly. We don't believe in euthanasia. We don't believe abortion's wrong on and on and on. And we believe in men and, and women. And, and, and marriage is the union between a man and a woman. A biblical, you, I love Pastor Vince says, you can't define marriage as anything else because it is something else. I would call it a civil union, but you can't call it marriage. Not biblically you can't. And so... I, I'm, I'm rattling on, but maybe it's for somebody that's listening to this. So the process of sanctification. So I, we don't do weddings for anybody that's not a formal member. So here's how we've, God has helped us with our lawyers and to navigate the day and the hour in which we live. Because I'm not going to come and come and steal our stuff and sue us and all that. Because you've got to become a formal member for us to do weddings. You say, well, what about formal membership? Formal membership, you have to subscribe to the 16 fundamental truths. Yeah. Included in the 16 fundamental truths is number 10, I think it's 10, sanctification. And so if you don't ascribe to what we call sanctification, the sanctity of life and men and women and marriage and all of that, you don't ascribe to that, then you can't become a formal member. It's crazy that we got to get like that now, but that's the way it is. Now, we're going to love everybody. As I've gone on my monologue about all of that, this couple comes in back to my story and they said, can you bless our house? So I'm just going to say no. And you know, my personality is be like, no, because you ain't blessed. You know, that's, I've gotten sweeter as I've gotten older. This is a long time ago. You're like, if this is sweet, Jesus help. Well, you pray for me. Amen. I'll pray for you. Hallelujah. So as I was talking to them, I realized I can go pray for their house. And I felt like the Lord said, just go read Deuteronomy 28. And pray according to Deuteronomy 28. And I thought to them, yeah, I will come and pray over your house. I told them. They said, you will? I said, yeah, I will. We showed up. They had all kinds of food. We got there. I pulled out my Bible. I said, before we eat, let's go ahead and pray for your home. They said, oh, great. Everybody 
bowed their heads. And uh, these two ladies held on to each other, you know. I mean, it was awkward. And I read Deuteronomy 28, brother. By the time we about halfway through Deuteronomy 28, it was real quiet. Real quiet in the house. And uh, I just couldn't wait to get to the blessings, man. I read through all the curses. And those was like, a curse will you be, and you'll have the itch, and you'll have mildew, and you'll have, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I'm not sure what the itch is, but I don't want that. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey! And I got to all the blessings and read the blessings, and, and at the end, it's just kind of like they're staring at me. And I just said, well, there we have it. So the blessing of God is contingent on how you live. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. And I, I just prayed, Lord, as they live for you, would you bless them? And Lord, did you help them to live for you so that they are blessed? And I prayed this unusual prayer. Come on, somebody say, I can be blessed. But you've got to choose to live for God daily. You have to choose to live for God daily. Daily reckon yourself dead to sin. I, I told a story. Would you come? I told the story about uh, my dog this morning. My dog has been in many illustrations. The dog's name is Grace. Um, I think she might speak English. Either that or she's really sensitive to angry voices. <laughs> she's sensitive in the spirit. My dog uh, is a Jack Russell Terrier. And she is uh, 11, almost 12 years old. And she is spry and... And, and she's just something. And she just, she just loves to run away. And um, she loves to run away. And uh, we are on a really, we have a great system right now. She's not been able to get away, get away because we have an understanding. Grace and me, I have an understanding. And um, uh, we had her on a leash for the longest time, but I'm able to do it with voice commands now. But when I let her out, and this just happened uh, the other day, I let her out, and uh, she gets, she, she does her business, and then she gets this wild look. Her eyes kind of go back and forth, and she, she, she gets this little flinchy look, and she's trembling a little bit, and she's looking at me, and at that point, if I don't speak to her, she gone. So she's giving me the flinchy look, and she's looking, and I said, I will come after you, I will run you down, I will go over every fence in every neighborhood. I say almost the same thing every time. I said, don't test me. You know I'll do it. And she goes, oh. But, but the funny thing is, when that started, I didn't mean it when I said it. I had socks on. No, it's like a thing in the spirit. you got to get the spiritual application. So when I stand there, I'm never standing there with socks on. Because if I got to go through every neighbor's yard, go over every single fence and grab that little Jack Russell Terrier by the scruff of the neck, I'm going to do it. And the dog knows it. And I'll full dead on sprint, run after the dog. I'll go miles and she knows I can do it. I will hunt the dog down. I will get the dog and she'll be on a leash the rest of her life. Do you understand? It's a principle. So I'm standing there and the other day it happened. I had shoes on. I don't, I don't have the same authority when I have socks on, unless in my mind I've purposed, I'm going to run with socks on. No, it's a funny thing. She sort of knows when I'm really, I'm bluffing. Yes, committed. Some of you aren't committed. Some of you aren't walking in the blessing of God. God's trying to help you, but he's got to keep you on a leash. Well, I'm going to encourage myself. I'll be right back. Praise God, Pastor Daniel. Thank you, Jesus.
You got to choose to live a daily life and you got to reckon yourself dead. Listen, a, a, a mature believer, mature, a mature believer will talk to themselves. You say, what's mature? It's the same thing as mature. Mature, mature, depends on where you come from. It's like chronicles or chronicles. All right. A mature believer daily says to themselves, you talk to yourself. You start feeling downcast. You'd be like, why so downcast? Stop it, stop. Ah, ah. Raise your hand if you've talked to yourself recently. See, the rest of y'all, the rest of y'all need some help. I've been on this sugar-free thing almost a year. Lost about 65 pounds of fat. It's been amazing. I, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, before you clap here, let me just give all the credit to the Lord and my wife because, you know, I, 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 had, a, I had a fight this week with a jar of honey. I'm a beekeeper. And um, I, I was, it's a long story. I can't go into the whole story, but I was processing some honey from last year, which all should have been crystallized, but it isn't because I prayed and God did a miracle. And so anyway, I'm spinning out all this honey and I'm just, you know, you get it all over your hands. I mean, it's everywhere. And it is, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a product of the promised land, man. Okay. So, so I just, you know, I had a little taste and I thought, oh, that was so good. I was like, oh, thank you, God. I like got touched by the Lord. So I thought, I'm, I don't really need to lose any more weight. And so my favorite thing is to have my honey in a great cup of coffee. That's like my favorite thing. Anyway, I had a big old, I you know, wanted to test it. And so I had a big old tablespoon. I put the spoon down. I walked away. I was like, yes. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you, stevia is lame. Nothing can compare doesn't even sound good, Stevia. Okay, so I had a little bit, and I had a little bit more. I had a cup of coffee with my honey in it, and so I'm like spinning out my honey on an extractor. Does anybody know what that is? So it's got a crank on it. I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, ah, I, I think that's too much honey. <laughs> it was like my eyes were bugging out of my head. I felt like I smoked crackers. I, mean, I lost my mind. It's like speed. I'm like, oh, God. Ah, ah. I went upstairs. It was just too much. I went upstairs. And I just drank some water. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a headache tomorrow, you know. Drank some more water and went to sleep. Woke up with a headache. I'm like sugar overdose. I didn't even have that much. Then that morning, I had a headache. And I thought, maybe a little more honey would help me. So I had some more. And I wanted some more. And then I felt like, the Lord's like, um, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Stop. Okay. <laughs> and so I had to like speak to myself. Get down. Ah. Stop it. I'm like, and the other part of me like, honey. And I'm like, stop. I want them honeys. No more. Okay. I reckoned myself dead. 
Listen, listen, I could fight that. You could say, well, come on, pastor, it's honey. No, 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 no. When God speaks to you after that, it's sin. You know, maybe before that it was sin. Maybe he was trying to talk to me, but I couldn't listen because my ears were ringing from the buzz I was experiencing. We have to, we have to, my, my precious. You'd think that I had some honey before I preached, but I didn't. All right. You all right, Brother Toby? All right. I got to wrap this thing up. Come on, let's wrap it up. You can live in the blessing. You're going to have to reckon yourself daily a dead to, to your flesh. You got to choose to have a godly life. It's up to you. Nobody's going to come and make you do it. You can be blessed or cursed. Blessed, cursed. Blessed, cursed. Hmm. Hmm, uh, I think I'll be blessed. Which one do you want? Want to be cursed or blessed? Blessed. Well, then you have to live according to the Word of God. you got to obey. Or you can take another lap around the mountain if you want to, like my coach used to say. My coach, my lacrosse coach, Dave Reese, never forget it. We were a championship team. And if you were a loafer, does anybody know what a loafer is? They still use that term? So if you just come... You know, you, you could be in the middle of the pack or up towards the front, but you know you're loafing. You're just kind of dragging. Not, and he'd be like, hey, because of you, the whole team's doing another lap. And another lap, we'd call them cornfields. They're, they're about a mile uphill, you know, uphill and downhill. It's crazy. And everybody would be like, man, I got busted by that Bracken. It's Bracken's fault. Great. I ain't being in that position again. Some, listen, if you don't want to take what I'm telling you and understand that the blessing is contingent upon you obeying, then take a nap around the mountain. Take a lap around the mountain. See how you like eating, eating manna tomorrow and the next day. And the next, praise God that he's given you mercy. But you could have some grapes, milk and honey. And if you want to be busted and disgusted all of your life, you can blend nothing, nobody to blame except your own self. And you can stand before the judgment seat of... Don't, come on, smile at me. You can stand before the judgment seat of Christ yourself and see how it'll go. You can blame the preacher and blame that and throw the baby out with the bath water and do whatever you want and then find out how it all works at the end. If you want to run that risk. Not me. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to choose to live a daily life. I'm going to reckon myself dead to, to sin, alive to God. Come on, I've been crucified with Christ anyway. No longer I to live, but Christ lives in me. Anybody else like that? Come on, thank you, G. We've got to crucify yourself daily, basically. Daily pick up your cross. Come on, let's finish. We've renewed our vision of what God wants us to do and be. Be what He wants us to do right there. As, as a family, as a, as a child of God, you ought to have a vision. You ought to have purpose in your life. If you, don't have a, if, you don't have a, if you don't have a plan for a win, how are you going to get the win? As a church, we're, we're in this final part. It's time for a new beginning. It's time for us to set goals. We're rolling out some new things to, to help people get um, discipled in a better, more simple way. It's been a little bit convoluted and confusing. We're changing some things. We'll be changing and rolling out uh, some new methods. Uh, it's, it's the same materials, the Bible, that doesn't change, but... We're going to simplify things and make it easier for people to get involved or easier for people to serve. We're building this new building, of course. We're excited about that. And, and it's, it's, it's time to renew our vision 
of who we are as a church and, and what he's called us to do. We've called to reach this whole state. We're called to plant churches all over the world. We're called, called to raise up godly people that can walk in this age, live in a pig pen and live holy in the midst of a crooked and a depraved generation. And it's times to, it's a time to, this is a time to choose life. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to choose life. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to choose life. Did you get something from the Lord? All right. All my stories, hopefully didn't go too long-winded. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place? Come on, let's just ask God to speak to us. Lord, we see before us the curse and the blessing. We want the blessing. We want the blessing, God. And we're asking that you would help us to reckon daily, Lord, the, the, our flesh. It counts for nothing. Spirit gives life. Lord, it would be a people that walk into all that you have for us as a church, as individuals, as a family. God, we would see your plan brought about as we obey your word that you would release miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, we would do our part and you do your part. You won't do our part. And we can't do yours. But if we'll love and obey you and serve you and seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, you will add all things. That is the answer. So we position our hearts before you. Lord, according to Joshua here, a new day, the first day of the rest of our lives, and we will choose to serve you from this day on. Lord, to fulfill every plan and every purpose. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to pray for Caitlin Cox. I know you're heading off. This is your last service. You're heading off to Hawaii. Can we just bless you? Congratulations, by the way. Just got engaged. Wonderful. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for Caitlin. Lord, as she goes off to Hawaii, Lord, for her internship there, we pray for divine appointments and the blessing of God that you would help her in every way. Lord, thank you for her. Thank you for Sterling. Thank you for their engagement. Holy Spirit, touch and bless. Use her mightily there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me close and bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We we'll hope to see you tonight. Church at 6 o'clock. We love you. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Victory is ours.